Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bible Truth for Living program. It's always a joy to be with you. I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving, and now we're headed into the Christmas season. This is my favorite time of the year. I'm one of those people that could listen to Christmas music uh, all year round, and uh, I just enjoy the season, of course, the uh, birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas coming up couple of things I want to tell you about. First of all, we're really excited that uh, we now have had over 2,000 podcast downloads, uh, which is great. You know, we just started our podcast ministry just a few months ago, and to already have over 2,000 downloads is really great. And so I appreciate all those. Remember, if you want to listen to this program uh, at your convenience, you can find your favorite podcast uh, host, whether that is Apple iTunes, uh, there's just a lot of different kinds, Spotify, different ones, and look for Bible Truth Podcast with Tim Reynolds, you'll find that, and then you can listen to it when you're exercising or you're uh, doing some housework or uh, just whatever you're doing, you can listen anytime, as well as uh, catch it on the radio every Sunday morning. Also, I'd like to remind you that this coming Saturday will be the first Saturday of December, which means it's time for our Man Alive Prayer Breakfast. We invite all the men in the community to come and enjoy a hot breakfast. It's all free. We uh, take donations to help pay for the food, uh, but you don't have to do that. If you can, great. Uh, but you'll enjoy the fellowship. And uh, my friend and fellow pastor, Mark Wells, uh, from the Free Will Baptist Church uh, here in Waltonville, uh, is going to be our guest speaker. Looking forward to hearing from Pastor Mark. And that'll be this Saturday, 7 o'clock, at the Mount Vernon Christian Academy Fellowship Room. So come and join us, and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. Today's message was the message I preached actually before Thanksgiving last Sunday uh, to our churches, and I thought I would preach this on the radio today because we're still sort of in that Thanksgiving season, and then the message is titled, The Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Just one verse from Psalm 116 and verse 17, the Bible says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. The Old Testament law contains five sacrificial offerings that God's people were to present. They include the burnt offering, the meal offering or meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. Now, one of those being the peace offering, part of that peace offering involved a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We find that in Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 11 says, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So we see that in the law that was given. So uh, that's what we're looking at today is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, before we get into the message, I want us to understand something because this will be part of what we're looking at uh, today. Every sacrificial offering that God had given to his people in the Old Testament uh, involved two components. One is the sacrifice had to have a cost. That means there was something of value that would otherwise have been used for personal gain. It was instead given to the Lord. You know, it's not really uh, going out of our way if an offering doesn't cost us something. And so every sacrificial offering involved cost. And then number two, it involved commitment. 
There were certain seasons for these offerings. There were certain times, and there were very specific methods involved with each one of the offerings that God has given. Now, as New Testament believers, thank God we don't have to keep all of these offerings. You say, why do we not have to do that? That is because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. And so now, because he is our sacrifice, we don't have to keep the trespass offering, the burn offering, and the peace offering, all those things, because he is all of that in one. Amen? And I'm thrilled about that. I'm glad we don't have to do that. However, there are some timeless principles involved with these offerings, one being the peace offering, and in particular, out of that, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We're going to look at five of these things that are involved with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and with each one, we will look at their cost and their commitment. All right. So number one, we're going to look at the sacrifice of our person, the sacrifice of our person. Listen, please to Romans chapter 12 and verse one. Here's what uh, the apostle Paul writes. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now those other sacrifices were dead sacrifices, you know, whether that was a cow or a, a goat or whether it was some wheat those things were not uh, alive when they were given sacrificially. They were dead. But he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the cost of sacrificing our person is the cost of the physical body. He says, present your bodies. You say, well, my body isn't worth a whole lot. Well, mine isn't either. The older that I get. However, God wants every part of us. He wants us body, soul, and spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Now, you know, it's become a big thing today to say, this is my body. I'll do with my body what I want to. Well, the believer can't say that, all right? As a believer, Tim Reynolds doesn't say, this is my body. No, this body belongs to God, such as it is. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that means that uh, with our body, we honor God, we sacrifice places maybe we would like to go that we just don't go there anymore. Things we would like to do, we don't do them anymore. Words we might say, thoughts we might think, we don't do those things because we say, I'm giving God my body and I want to glorify him with my physical body. Now notice there's a commitment also involved there in the text in Romans. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is not an unreasonable expectation. It's a commitment. Uh, the, the, now, salvation is solely on the commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that. It's a free gift. I'm talking here about Christian living. If you are going to live a successful Christian life, it's going to cost you something, and part of that cost will involve commitment. You have to be committed to go to church when you don't feel like it, committed to read your Bible when you don't feel like it, to pray when you don't feel like it. And so these things involve both a cost and a commitment, the sacrifice of our person. Number two, there is the sacrifice of our praise. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, what is the cost of the sacrifice of praise? Well, the cost is our feelings. Here's what I mean by that. If you ask most people, what does it mean to praise God? Today we have praise teams and praise this and praise that. When you think of praise, 
you think of clapping the hands and maybe some uh, some horns and drums and music and those sorts of things. And, you know, I guess some of that's okay to be involved with praise. But praise is not about feelings and emotion. They may involve those things once in a while. But, you know, it's easy to praise God when things are going well. You know, I'll hear people say that. Boy, God is so good. My, 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 I'm healthy. My kids are all doing well. My, my bank account's doing good. And, boy, life is really great. Isn't God good? Well, you know, that's wonderful. But that's not really a test of your walk with the Lord. The test is whenever things are really going south and you praise God anyway. You see, praise is not always about singing and clapping and dancing. Praise really is is a matter of the will. Give an example. In Psalm 57, you find David hiding in a cave. At this time in his life, he's a vagabond. He's a fugitive running from King Saul. Saul wanted to kill him. David was scared to death. He's hunkered down in a cave. His life is in jeopardy. That is not a time to clap and sing and praise. Thank you, God, that uh, my life is in jeopardy. No. But David makes a comment. He says in Psalm 57 and verse 7, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. What does that mean? He says, my mind is made up. I I choose, not because I just feel like it, but I choose to sing and give praise. That's the cost. The cost of the sacrifice of praise means we don't just praise God when we feel like it, but even when we don't, we still praise him. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, yet will I praise him. Now, there's commitment involved as well, because there in Hebrews 13, 15, the Bible says, offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Notice again, that is not uh, depending on circumstances. It's not moved by feelings. It's an attitude of praise to God. You say, well, I don't, I don't see how I can praise God. I'm sick. I, I'm broke. My kids won't talk to me. I know, but that's a matter of the will, not a matter of feelings. When you say, you know what, in spite of all that, I'm still going to praise God. I'm going to thank him even whenever the, the, the storm is raging in my life. That is the sacrifice of praise. So we've looked at the sacrifice of our person, the sacrifice of our praise, and then number three, there is the sacrifice of our possessions. Now we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. And Paul writes the book of Philippians. It's actually a letter to the church at Philippi from prison. And in Philippians 4.15, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul says, when I begin the ministry and I begin to start churches, nobody thought about me, but, but you and that church did uh, when it comes to giving and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again into my necessity. Know that, notice they didn't just send it once. They did it once and again. This was just a pattern with this church. And then he says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Beloved, when we give of our possessions, uh, we're not doing God some big favor. What that is, is it's actually a blessing that is placed on our account. Uh, that's what he's telling them here. When you give to your church, you give to a, a ministry like this radio ministry, podcast ministry, or you give to missionaries, all right? You're not just benefiting that work of God, but that is also being placed on your account. I mean, what what better deal could you find? And then he says, but I have all and abound. Now, again, he's writing from prison, and it was not a pleasant place to be. But he says, I have everything, and I, I'm, I'm doing good. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet-smelling sacrifice. 
acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, what is the cost of the sacrifice of our possessions? Well, the cost is financial. Let me talk about this for just a moment. I want you to think uh, to yourself here and answer this honestly. Does your giving to God's work come out of your abundance, or is it a sacrifice that costs you something? In a lot of us, we just give to God's work when, uh, you know, we have a little extra. So God, I'll give you a tip here, but that's, that's not really a sacrifice. Sacrificial giving costs something. Paul mentions this uh, to the uh, churches in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift that was a financial gift they had gathered and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord as unto us by the will of God. Paul is saying this, they were in deep poverty. And yet he says, because of the abundance of your joy, you have given. And because of that, you gave to bless the ministry of the work, and it goes on your account, but it all started with the fact that they gave of themselves. Notice that. He says, they first gave of their own selves to the Lord. That's a sacrifice, all right? Now, what about the commitment? Well, again, do you only give when you can afford it, or are you committed to your giving? I recommend this, and this is just the way that I see this. You know, we're not under the law. Uh, we don't have to give a certain amount, and, and we're under grace. We actually should give more because of what this scripture says. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given unto the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, that's from the young people to the, the youngest person to the oldest person, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. God prospers people in different uh, different ways and different amounts. But as God has prospered, but if you say, well, I can't give to God, I can't afford it. I'll, I'll give to God when I can afford it. Well, first of all, uh, it's kind of like saying I'll have kids when I can afford them. We have four of them, and we still can't afford them, all right? So if you wait to have children until you can afford them, uh, that's probably not a very good plan. Same thing with giving to God's work. You, can, you cannot afford to not give. You can't outgive God. All I can tell you is by personal experience, when we give to the Lord's work, and that's something we're committed to. You know, just as sure as Tri-County Electric uh, once paid for the electricity and the phone bill needs to be paid and and uh, the mortgage and all of those things, there should be a commitment to God's work. You just, you know, you don't let your, your power bill lapse. Well, you shouldn't let the work of God lapse either. And if you're committed to it, whether that is on the first day of the week, sometimes, you know, people live, uh, they get paid every two weeks or once a month, whatever the case is. It's a commitment, not just tipping God, but saying, I'm committed and I'm going to do this because I want to offer the sacrifice of possessions to God. Let me go to the fourth one, number four. There is the sacrifice of our prayer, the sacrifice of our prayer. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Now, we often don't think of prayer as a sacrifice, but really it is. You say, what is the cost to prayer? Well, I think the cost of prayer is focus. For me, all right, I'm, I'm speaking for me here. 
the most difficult thing for me in my Christian walk is to stop and get still and focus on my prayer time to God. Now, let me give you some good news. And, and uh, you know, uh, there are preachers of yesteryear that uh, would pray for two hours, three hours, and, and, you know, that's wonderful if you can do that. I'm, I'm sure certainly not discouraging that. But God is not expecting us to pray big, long-winded prayers. In fact, the, the longest prayer you find in the Old Testament is in Nehemiah chapter 9, and you can read it in, in between five and seven minutes. Uh, the longest prayer in the New Testament is John 17, Jesus' prayer of intercession to the Father. And you can read that in less than five minutes. You don't find real long prayers in the Bible. But we must focus on our prayer. You see, what makes prayer challenging is that it requires focus. How many times have you started to pray, and as you begin to get into your prayer, you think of the the uh, grocery list, or you think of something you should have done yesterday, and all kinds of things come to mind, and it, it rattles your focus. You see, it's not that we don't know that we should pray, or that we're going to be blessed when we pray. It's just that it's difficult, especially today, to focus. But I would encourage you to do this, and, and this is just a piece of advice. Have one certain time of day, and for me, morning time works best, and give five or ten minutes in prayer. You don't have to, you know, if you can do an hour, that's wonderful, but you don't have to do that. If you can give God just five or ten minutes of focused prayer, and start with thanksgiving, and and uh, thank you, Lord, for, for the day, and for my health, and for my family, and just, just pray like that, and you don't have to pray in the King James Version. Just pray regular. God, God will listen. God enjoys that. Uh, and that's just part of it. It's focusing on our prayer time. Maybe have a certain place that you do that. And again, that involves commitment. A successful prayer life is one where you are committed to prayer. Now, a prayer is just acknowledging God. You know, let's not complicate it too much. Sometimes we think we've, we have to just do everything just right. It's acknowledging God is what it is. It's sort of like if you have kids and they come to you and they, they want to borrow some money. You know, before asking for money, don't you like if they at least acknowledge you? Hey, Dad, how are things going? Or Mom, you know, how are you doing? And then maybe butter you up a little bit before they say, can I borrow $20? You know, they're at least acknowledging you. But how many times do we do God that way? We just, God, I need this. God, bail me out of this problem. God, I need some money or I need this, I need that, without stopping to acknowledge and say, hey, God, first of all, before I ask you for anything, I just want to praise you. I want to thank you. I want to acknowledge you. That's what God wants. He wants us to acknowledge him. And I think the closer that we get to God as we do that in prayer and reading our Bible and going to church, we begin to see the world more from his perspective. You know, when I was a teenager, I didn't talk a whole lot to my dad. Not that I was angry with him, but I didn't have a lot in common. At that time, my dad was pastoring a church and he was raising a family and had a lot of responsibilities. On the other hand, I was, you know, going to high school and playing basketball and had my own things going on. And so when I talked to my dad, you know, we, we talked, but not really on the same level. But now that I have become older, and now I'm a pastor, and now I have children, I can relate. I see things from his perspective. And so our conversation is much deeper now than it was when I was a teenager. Well, I think that same thing applies in our walk with the Lord. As we grow in our walk with him, as we mature with him, we begin to see things the way God sees them. And so we become closer to him. And again, prayer brings us closer. You don't get close to somebody you never talk to. 
You only get close when you communicate and you talk with someone, and that's what God is looking for. You can be in an attitude of prayer all day. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. It's kind of like breathing. You're not right now thinking about, I need to take a breath. You're just doing it. That's, that's how we should pray. And listen, I pray silly prayers. I pray prayers like uh, when I go to the store, Lord, please open up a close parking spot here. Uh, God, help me to find my car keys. You say, well, God doesn't care about that. Well, I like to think he does, so I'll just be uh, ignorant, I guess, in that matter and uh, pray to him anyway. But I pray simple things, and it doesn't have to be long-winded. I think he does care, and I think he does answer those type of prayers. Uh, and that's being in an attitude of prayer all of the time. The last one I want to give you here is the sacrifice of our purity, the sacrifice of our purity. In Psalm 51, I I preached a message on this not long ago. This is David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. And the cost of the sacrifice of our purity is our fellowship with God. Listen to what David says in this prayer in Psalm 51 and verse 16. He says, speaking to God, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. So God didn't want any burnt offerings from David. And then he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Following God and being in fellowship with God involves humbling ourselves to confess our sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we'll be so hard-headed, we won't humble ourselves, and it takes God chastising us to get our attention uh, before we will confess. Same thing with the unbeliever. Now, the unbeliever has to humble himself or herself to get to the point where they realize, I have no hope of heaven outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come to you not offering one thing. That's when Jesus Christ will save you, and you repent, and you accept him as your Savior. And let me tell you this. You and I never have to sacrifice more than what he has already sacrificed to make all that possible. He gave a much greater sacrifice to give us access to God than we ever have to give by simply swallowing our pride and staying in fellowship with him. Listen, please, to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He gave of himself, and he didn't do it for him. He did it for us. Now, how could we ever sacrifice enough to repay what Christ has done for us? And the good news is we don't have to. He's already done it. He's already offered it. He gets our sin. We get his righteousness. What a trade-off. What's the commitment involved? The commitment involved with staying in fellowship with God is a daily walk with him. You see, this is not a a one-day-a-week Sunday morning walk. This is not a flash-in-the-pan walk. This is a daily, lifetime commitment, not for salvation, but I'm talking here about being in fellowship with God and walking with Him and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's review the message quickly. The sacrifice of thanksgiving involves five, uh, five things. The sacrifice of our person, 
giving our bodies to God, the sacrifice of our praise. That means even when we don't feel like it, we praise him. The sacrifice of our possessions, realizing he owns it all. When we give to him, we are offering to him something to show that this is something we want to give back to you, God, because you deserve it and you own it. And then the sacrifice of our prayer, focusing and spending time on talking with God. And then the sacrifice of our purity, staying in fellowship with him, confessing our sin when those things are necessary in order to walk with him in a daily committed walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope he has all of these, and I encourage you to uh, continue in that way. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved. You simply need to understand you're a sinner. God loves you. Christ died for you. And if you'll repent and ask him to save you, he'll do that today. Well, as we close the broadcast, let me remind you that the uh, the Bible Truth Program is available not only on the radio every Sunday morning, but also on the Bible Truth Podcast. And then also this coming Saturday, men, 7 o'clock, Man Alive Prayer Breakfast will be at the Mount Vernon Christian Academy Fellowship Room and uh, Waltonville Free Will Baptist Church. Pastor Mark Wells will be our guest speaker, so I hope you can make it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of those who uh, give sacrificially, financially, to help us to stay on the air. Uh, it's a blessing, and uh, I want you to know how much that we appreciate that. Thank you so much. I look forward to being with you again at the next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.